Welcome to What is Your Bitcoin Story podcast with your host, Gigi. This is a podcast where we explore the fascinating world of Bitcoin through the personal experiences and stories of those who have taken a dive down the rabbit hole. We explore Bitcoin stories with a diverse range of guests from early adopters, miners, traders, and maximalists. So join us on this exciting journey of past, present, and future Bitcoin, one story at a time. The root problem with conventional currency is all the trust that's required to make it work. The central bank must be trusted not to debase the currency, but the history of fiat currencies is full of breaches of that trust. Satoshi Nakamoto. Welcome to What's Your Bitcoin Story, the podcast where we dive deep into the fascinating world of blockchain and cryptocurrency. I'm your host, Gigi, and today we have a special guest joining us, Please give a warm welcome to Ferris, an affluent blockchain and cryptocurrency enthusiast based out of beautiful island of Malta since 2017. Ferris is not only deeply knowledgeable about the in intricate blockchain space, but he's also the founder of the crypto hub Malta. Thank you for joining us today, Ferris. Hey, glad to be here. And you are flattering me a lot. I'm just a simple <laughs> crypto pirate living on the blockchain island Malta, but thanks for the warm welcome. Very welcome. Well, Ferris, it's it's a pleasure to have you on the show, um, and you've been actively involved in the cryptocurrency space for quite some time now, uh, and we're eager to hear your unique journey and insights. But before we dive in, let's take a moment to ask you the big question. What is your Bitcoin story? Okay, let's get started. So um, I think you and I, we're both graduation class 2017, right? Yeah, we got involved correct. in the space in 2017. And for me, it was like, I guess, very similar to many people. A friend of mine, he got involved and he told me about it. He told me about blockchain technology, about Bitcoin, about Ethereum. And I was starting to do my research with some trustworthy mainstream newspapers, you know, because that's where mm -hmm. you go and surely they know. And, uh, you know, I stumbled upon headline after headline. It's a bubble. It's a fade. It's going to go to zero. It's not backed by anything. And I was kind of skeptical, but I will never forget this moment. This was my, my blockchain genesis moment. This is where it made click and I was sold. I was not sold. I was convinced. And that was the moment when I realized what fiat is. So fiat currencies, I spoke to my friend and Eventually, I realized that the paper money that we have, or even like the fiat in digital form, it means nothing. It's literally just paper or some random code somewhere in a centralized bank. It, it has no intrinsic value. It is controlled by a central bank or it's influenced heavily by a government that can abuse it in any way that they want or use it for whatever means they see fit. And if that means is war, they will do it. If it is bailing out banks who are responsible for their own losses, that's what they're going to do with it. And Bitcoin is different. That was my genesis moment when I realized, wow, if you put this on a distributed ledger, it is not controlled by anyone. It is actually free and hard money. It is like gold, but it is digital and it has many other advantages. That happened in 2017 and I was so excited by it. And uh, ever since uh, I went down the, the rabbit hole, uh, never to return again. <laughs> Very good. And, and, and was that kind of a catalyst for you moving to Malta when, when you kind of discovered Bitcoin and, and this whole cryptocurrency revolution that we're living through? 
I guess you could say that, but it's kind of like a butterfly effect, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, this moment was like a butterfly. This realization was like a butterfly flapping at wings. And this storm is then that I'm completely changing my life to move mm -hmm. to Malta. Back in the days, I was living in Berlin and I was working for this um, environmental consultancy. That is mm -hmm. actually my background. And I was having a conversation with my team leader and we, it was, it was in the very beginning of my career and we had to figure out which direction I want to go to. So I told him, obviously, um, blockchain. This is, by the way, 2018. It was when the bear market started, but I was still completely sold for it. And he said, well, you can work with blockchain technology, but not at our company. So I didn't extend the next contract and I started to research and invest on my own. I was living in Germany and then I moved to Denmark gradually. I'm from Denmark and Denmark is a great country for startups. They have great government schemes and support systems to foster innovation. And there was also a clause uh, about cryptocurrencies in Denmark that the government issued, I think, in 2015, where they boldly declared that cryptocurrencies are not real currencies, thus there's no taxation on it. And that was amazing. So what I didn't check is that they gradually and retroactively um, changed the legislation. There, When I moved to Denmark, I found out when I was getting started with everything, I was preparing everything, I was at a startup innovation center in my hometown, and I was participating in a competition, in a case competition, made it to the semifinal. And when I started to talk to lawyers and accountants about this, they all told me, red, 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 cryptocurrencies, that's not a good idea, that will be very difficult. And there would have been a legal way, but there would be such a heavy, impossible and infeasible taxation burden on it because every transaction is a taxable event if you go from one network to another. And that was kind of the idea I was working with. I wanted to bring environmental data for new use cases to the blockchain. So whenever you do anything or swap anything, not even if it's like for financial speculation, it's income tax. So in Denmark, if you have an income more than 60,000 euro a year, you pay uh, the max, you go into the maximum tax bracket, which is more than 50%. So wow. most of my uh, net worth was in crypto. So mm -hmm. I could not pay these taxes, even if I would have started with it. And that uh, means I would have to sell cryptocurrencies to pay the taxes. And guess what? That's another taxable event right there. So effectively, you pay twice the maximum income tax. I'm happy about the system in Denmark. I, I'm, I'm a libertarian at heart, but I don't have a problem with paying taxes and supporting um, the social system and all of that. It's just, it's, it's impossible to set up a business. So instead of doing it, I went to Malta. So I mm. came to Malta and it was, by the way, this was COVID. So everything kind of went to scrambles. I made it to the semi-final of this uh, case competition. And then I relocated to Malta in 2021. Malta was advertised by the government as the blockchain island. Since 2017, Malta was the first European member state of the European Union that had clear regulations on cryptocurrencies in the blockchain space. You could apply for the VFA license for exchanges, mm -hmm. the virtual financial assets uh, license. That was the play that they invented in 2017. 
there were some difficulties. I don't want to talk too much about it because I was not here and I was not really part of it. But when I arrived to Malta in 2021, I also found out that although there is legislation and although, in my opinion, this regulation from 2017, the VFA regulations in Malta and this whole like blockchain island play was a success because there are still some very big cryptocurrencies, like companies that are working with cryptocurrencies back in 2018, Binance came here, for example, but they yeah. moved, they left, they never, they never got uh, certified for this license. I think they even never really applied for it. Like this is a big <laughs> case with this SEC lawsuit right now ongoing, Correct. where Malta is kind of going into the spotlight, coming into the spotlight of Gary Gensler. So let's see how that will go. Crypto.com, for example, is still um, licensed and based in Malta officially. And there are some other big, uh, big companies like that that are here and also smaller ones. The University of Malta has a center for distributed ledger technology and they're offering a full-blown master program for blockchain technology. There are many things that work well in that regard in Malta, but there are also some obstacles. I came here in 2021 and I haven't started my business yet. This is why I say that I'm a crypto pirate. There are like other advantages in Malta when it comes to your tax status here. If you don't remit your global income, it is not taxable. So this is why there are many crypto pirates here in Malta, or this is one of the reasons for it. And mm. when I was moving here, it was still in the middle of COVID, right? Yeah. So in Denmark, the lockdown was very harsh. Like uh, there was not a lot of things that you could do. But in Malta, the most limiting factor was really that you had to wear one of those face masks all the time like all the time outside inside it didn't matter it's like a bit comical because the, the facial g-strings as i call them yeah but i mean even even outside so there were some incidents wow. of friends that were sitting alone at the beach you know like nobody around and they were like eating a snack or something taking off the mask and then they were approached and fined by the police like the police had to walk out to them like 50 or 100 meters out to them chase them go to them approach them and say hey you need to put on your mask it's like wow. that was that was like what i remember as the most restrictive measure and of course there were not a lot of events in person events so what i did i started to invite my friends people that are also interested in the crypto space and are in the defi space in the decentralized finance space that was the hot stuff back then to my apartment like i invited the maximum allowed uh, amount of people that were allowed legally allowed every week and then mm -hmm. we did the the DeFi barbecue. So we did a DeFi uh, deep dive into a DeFi protocol, and every week it was somebody else presenting, you know, their little babies, their favorite yeah. project that they are so proud of. And I promise you, this will go to the moon. But they were very advanced people. And yeah. it was good because we took like one hour, connected the computer to the television. Mm -hmm. And then went through the tokenomics together, like there was always someone presenting and to the level, you press the button here, this will trigger this and be careful of that. That level um, of deep dive we're doing, followed by a barbecue. And that was always great fun. And then in 2022, slowly the restrictions were lifted and we went public. And by public, I mean, we went to a bar, like a public bar at a nice mm. place. Um, Malta is beautiful and there are lots of like beach bars and bars out to the seaside. It was lovely. 
but I quickly realized that the normies or like people that are not so deeply involved, they are having a really hard time to even follow the basic terminology, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. maybe they are intrigued by uh, some video that they saw about Dogecoin and they're ready to put their life savings into it. Then they come to the meetup and we talk about blockchains, we talk about smart contracts, we talk about oracles, we talk about DeFi, we talk about yield, we talk, talk about, about huddling. <laughs> huddling, all of these things. And it's just, um, I mean, these are just basic terms, but the jargon can be confusing if you're not familiar with the, the terminology. For sure. And quickly I realized we have the experts and the beginners or as I like to call them, the teachers and the students, because that's what they really became. Those yeah. people with some expert knowledge, I push them and I encourage them to share their knowledge by talking about it, by doing small presentations. And if you've ever talked to crypto native people or people that are really deep in the space, they will never stop talking about this. You know, you put them on stage and you give them a microphone and off they go. <laughs> so that's that's what they that's what we did. And the other aspect that is really important as well is beginners, they are having a hard time and they feel embarrassed by yeah. asking these stupid questions. They're smart people. Don't get me wrong. They are much often much smarter than I am for sure. We're talking about like some developers, some people with experience in the space, some some seniors, some IT heads of IT departments or some legal experts or accountants, they are like smart and accomplished people, but they just don't know what um, hashing is, for example. And then they get confused by it and they are embarrassed to ask. And this is one important aspect that we established in the community, that it's really okay to ask all the stupid questions. Like it sounds, it sounds so corny to say this, but it's very important. So right now what we do at these community meetings is every week we have still like a different subject. I guess the horizon has become a bit more broad since mm -hmm. we don't exclusively focus on DeFi anymore. We have some NFT artists. We have some people that were very hot for metaverse. I mean, last year the metaverse was uh, oh. very hyped. We have some Bitcoiners, you know, the Bitcoiners. Hey. They, yeah, they go they go crazy about Bitcoin. And then I tell them, well, you know, but like Bitcoin is part of crypto, right? And they're like, ah, I don't think so, bro. But we, we have those we have those people as well. And they are they are very important because they go so thoroughly through the fundamentals. Like we had a Bitcoiner talking about what you do in case of your death. Like what mm. will happen to your private keys? Have you considered that? And those are like intimate subjects, right? And yeah. now this platform, CryptoHub, I like to call it an open platform because that's really what it is, can be used by those people to share these stories and to share this knowledge. Um, and that's what we do every week. Right now, um, since the middle or beginning of 2023, we have an increased interest in AI so people want to talk about ai and that's great but we are called crypto hop malta and incre more increasingly i go like welcome to ai hop malta because once a month at least we have someone talking about ai and then i try to like you know divert it a little bit into the blockchain direction next week for example we're talking about this week in two days on wednesday we're going to talk about AI prompting and blockchain. So it was me who like was pushing them to like, hey, can you make it like a little bit about blockchain? And they know they're smart people and they're from the community, but they are right now really excited about AI. And then they want to talk about that. 
And I'm not going to stop that, you know, if they have such a passion for it. As long as it's somehow related to blockchain technology, everything goes. And this is the place where people can come, learn and share about blockchain technology in a neutral way because we are never going to sell anything. I hate those influencers that are shilling something, they have like economic interest in it, and then it's it just loses the purpose completely. Yeah. I always say- Complete sellouts. Huh? Complete sellouts, as we call them. Yeah, se sellouts, but it's not only that they are selling out, they are actually mm -hmm. selling out the people that are listening to them. And Correct. that's terrible in my opinion. And I tell everyone you can use this platform. So for example, if you come from a crypto exchange, and you want to present about your crypto exchange, I completely understand. You're running a business, you want to somehow use this platform to market yourself, and that's fine. It's just, I will not do it. Like everyone who's involved with the volunteers or organizing this can never ever sell anything that's like the one red line. And also we cannot have scammers. And that's like also part of my job there to make sure that whoever speaks is legitimate. And frankly speaking, we never had big problems with that. There was one case that was kind of on the edge. And maybe um, tell me what you think about this. Are you familiar with Hex? Oh, yes. You had the, 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 the Mr. Hyde come over. Uh, well, it was not him in person, but okay. there was somebody who was very passionate about Hex. Now, what is Hex? Hex is like an ERC20 token on Ethereum that you can use to stake, and then you get more Hex. And yeah. what do you do with more Hex? Well, you can stake it again, and that's great. But what is the purpose? What is the utility? There is none. <laughs> and, and then he goes on stage and he tells people and beginners, you know, people that are just curious about the space, there's always like 20, 25% of newcomers or people that join us for the first time. They may be experienced, but like, let's just assume they come there for the first time to discover the world of blockchain. And then there is a guy who tells them, he, he literally said that, he said, Hex is essentially like Bitcoin, only it's much better. And that comparison, you oh my God, essentially, like, essentially yeah, that keyword, right? <laughs> I was I was replying to that and I said that if Bitcoin is an armored, an armored vehicle, like a tank, you know, yeah. strong and armored vehicle, then Hex is like a gummy boat, a gummy boat that has a hole where the founder Richard Hart is trying to pump it up with air while really he's sinking. That's what Hex is in an analogy comparing it to, to Bitcoin. That's and a nice description. <laughs> although I wouldn't say that Hex is a hard scam, I don't think so. It's not like somebody is, you know, inflating to token supply or, or dumping on the community. Maybe they do it to some extent, but it's not a hard rock. It's like, if nothing else, like a small, uh, a soft rock where, you know, you cannot really do anything. And it's like, the structure is like a pyramid scheme because you can only stake and then you hope that the next guy stakes more and you can sell it to him. At least, at least through the Hex project, um, people can learn what, what a clean Ponzi scheme is. So, so at least they're doing something, right? To educate the people. <laughs> right. So what happened then in the aftermath of that uh, meetup and i was actually this was like we we're like half a year into the public meetups or so at that point and mm -hmm. i realized our community has become quite resilient i mean mm -hmm. the people that attend the meetup they are mostly very sophisticated people 
They are smart, yeah. educated. They can think and they know if something is fishy. And especially at CryptoHop, they have the chance to ask questions. That's also what I do as the organizer. But especially the people in the community were not letting this guy go. They nailed him with the same questions and points that I was repeating and that you were repeating to the yeah. cross at the meetup. And then we had like a three days like fate, like war in the Telegram group where this guy, he was like attacked by everyone. And wow. to my surprise, he was always ready with like half a page of very detailed uh, points, talking points that are addressing every concern and every like um, critical point that you could have of Hex. You know, <laughs> that was like really suspicious to me because I know I you want to protect your backs, you know, you want to chill your backs and everyone does that. And like, don't attack wow. another man for, for his hotlings, you know. But if, if you if you spend like three days, like almost full time defending like this one project that is like, something in my opinion, something is fishy. So what happened then? I told him, hey, let's have a panel discussion where you come and like a Bitcoiner comes and a crypto person comes and maybe an academic from the university or something like that. I like to have like some diversity nice. of, of the yep. ideas that are shared. And then we can look at this from different angles. So he refused that and then he quit the Telegram group and then he deleted his Telegram profile. So wow. I don't know if it was a scam or that if he had like some other interest than his passion for this beautiful project called Hex. But that is one incident that happened. And that was like, we had so many good experiences with like people that are stepping up, you know, they leave their computer, they come out, they share with the community. And it's, it's beautiful because they, they realize like, well, there's actually people that think like me that are passionate about this like me. And this was one of the very few incidents where I would say, okay, this was like borderline critical. <laughs> we should be careful about this. One for all and all for one, right? That's uh, that's what I love about this community, right? Because everyone mm -hmm. kind of does their own digging, kind of tries to protect themselves, you know, help each other out instead of just mm -hmm. scamming and, and kind of trying to betray everyone as we have in, in the old world, the, the legacy mm -hmm. fiat world, where it's all about me, 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 and, and I don't care yeah. about you. Amazing. Amazing. I always say, I always say uh, go to the mantra to tell them that we are all in this together because we that's are. True. You know, we are. Uh, you can be brilliant as can be, but you don't know everything. I mean, we've all had some troubles or did some mistakes or like missed something that was important or just used the wrong tool. And it's always good to share your experience and to share your knowledge with other people. And in my opinion, a community, regardless of what the subject is, but a community should always be a net plus game where everyone gets more out of it than they put in. And here it means that you, for example, attend the meetup and once in a year or so, you prepare a presentation where you provide some value and where you share some knowledge or also where you like use the platform to market your product or your idea or whatever you have. What you get out of it is that on a regular basis, you have a place where you can come and meet like-minded people, get some inspiration, share your knowledge, discuss and connect to other people. And where would that be if it wouldn't be at a local community meetup? You can go to big conferences and they're great, 
but it's something else in my opinion if yeah. you meet someone on a regular basis like other people they go to local football clubs and they train together once a week you know yeah. they can always go to the world championship and of course that's something else but mm. have the chance that you actually touch the, the ball yourself and score a goal or like uh, a part of the whole thing yourself that is something of great value in my opinion and that's what we are doing at uh, CryptoHop. And that's also what we're trying to do at CryptoHop Cyprus now. If we retract by now to kind of your your, your 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 entry to crypto, if I may ask just out of personal question, I'm sure the listeners want, want to know more. Was was Bitcoin your first cryptocurrency that, that you looked into or it was something else such as Ethereum or, or perhaps some, some other altcoin? What was your first kind of foot in the game? yeah it was it was definitely bitcoin it was this epiphany about what fiat really is and then mm -hmm. i discovered bitcoin and also back then the first on-ramp i was using had only bitcoin as an option okay and what was it, that if, if it's not a secret it's or, uh, um, like a, it's a german exchange uh, uh, okay. i think it's called uh, bitcoin.de uh, or something like that or ah okay i, Ooh, I forgot nice domain if, if that it is yeah I mean, uh, Bitcoin, unfortunately, uh, is is not the best yep. of examples today, but uh, very good. So, 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 so you did the right yeah. entry, sort of in, in into the space. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it did. Like, it took a couple of months um, before they started to list Ethereum. And okay. for me, I started in 2017. I saw Bitcoin, and it was great. But quickly, I wanted to go somewhere else because I don't think blockchain technology is. No, it's I don't come from the finance world. I'm, I'm not an economist and I understand that it's a very important, like this Austrian economic perspective to have hard currency and a system that is not based on central banks. And I'm all for that. I am in that way a Bitcoiner and I still am. But apart from yeah. that, I'm mostly interested in use cases that are related to the environment or mm. energy efficiency or renewable energies. That's what I'm most excited about. I'm think I'm dreaming about a world where not only the central bank as a middleman is caught, but everyone who <laughs> is abusing this position or could be replaced because simply they are no longer necessary and they're just stopping innovation. I think to realize the full potential of our civilization or of humanity, it is very important to have a system that is open and free. Just as Bitcoiners yeah. are preaching that we need an open financial system, I think this applies for many, many other aspects as well. Uh, environmental impact assessments, for example, is just one very critical part of the system, in my opinion, or what is happening right now in the regenerative finance space is carbon yeah. credits that are traded on chain. So mm. there are many challenges, just there as there's challenges with fiat currencies, fiat currencies could, in theory, if they were handled in a more decentralized way, without all the digital technology right yeah. they could be effective for example if they would be entirely based on gold right there would be like a middle ground and with many other systems or in many other sectors it's the same thing it's just not about currencies it's about something else and that's what i'm excited about and that's why i quickly went on from bitcoin to ethereum because of all the icos that was in 2017 the ico hype 
so every week there was something new and we had to jump on it and it was so exciting and you know sometimes it went well sometimes not so well but that was what the hype was about and i was fascinated by it there was so much to discover and there still is and right now in 2023 i can't believe it. it's like almost six years ago there's still happening so much innovation every day every week there's some news there's some teams building amazing tech and shipping something new that did not exist before and that's what i'm excited about still to take away maybe to go into some more details you mentioned so and especially your background coming from an environmental background maybe we can touch upon kind of the, the sustainability uh, within the blockchain technology and, and you did mention um, regenerative finance maybe you could tell us a little bit more about that because i myself i'm i'm not too much in the loop of, of what's happening there and i'm sure the listeners at least some of or most of the listeners aren't either so maybe you could uh, enlighten us a little bit on that topic yeah, for sure. I mean, <clears throat> I was uh, very early on because the before the term even was uh, coined, interested in DeFi, in decentralized mm -hmm. finance. So decentralized finance essentially is, it's well, I guess it's also what Bitcoin is by definition, like a new financial system that is built on blockchain networks, smart contracts and oracles, right? So okay. you have uh, certain functionalities to swap coins or to trade or to do certain transactions on a distributed ledger. And that could, in theory, replace the legacy financial system that is based on financial institutions such as banks. But those banks, you know, they force you to reveal your identity. They can discriminate against you if they want, and they do. They have certain measures to cancel you, to block you, to censor you. And DeFi is the antidote to that, with also functions like borrowing and lending, and many other things that are currently being developed and already exist. So ReFi is short for regenerative finance, and mm. that has evolved out of DeFi. It is a new upcoming field, and it is built on principles of the regenerative finance. I always say it's like the cross-section of sustainability and blockchain technology. Now, me, I see myself as a blockchain evangelist where I try to bring the technology to legacy systems. And the most ironic thing, in my opinion, is that environmentalists, they hate blockchain technology. They hate it with a passion. Whomever I'm talking to, the first thing they tell me is blockchain is bad because Bitcoin uses so much electricity. And I'm not going to argue with that. Like, it is true. It is like Bitcoin uses a lot of electricity. But once you look at some background information, what kind of electricity, where this electricity comes from, how yeah. it was produced, how the capacity was produced, and what the purpose is of this electricity, like, it becomes a little bit nuanced. But if you are dogmatic about it, then you will never discover this. But the fact is, and the tragedy or the irony that I'm referring to, is that within this technology, there are actually many solutions that could completely change the sustainability space, but nobody is aware of it because they don't look at each other. Mm. And just to be fair, on the other side, in the blockchain space, there's also a lot of people that are ignorant about the environmental crisis. I'm not only talking about climate change. We have many issues such as biodiversity loss, and that is a fact. 
I say it's a fact because it is a scientific fact that can be objectively proven, just as there is a scientific reality of the Bitcoin network that can be cryptographically proven as true. So you can have a strong opinion about Bitcoin and say it's bad for the environment, but that is kind of your own personal belief. If you choose to ignore the facts, then of course you have a dogmatic view on, let's say, blockchain in general, because you're pointing towards this one little detail that fits into your worldview. But the reality is that the picture is much more nuanced. And I'm trying to build a bridge between those two worlds. That's what I see as my mission, apart from, well, organizing these local community meetups that I enjoy a lot. But this is actually what I want to do. I think I think Ferris, we, we we should change your nickname from a pirate to to the Yoda of crypto space. I see myself as like I always I go with the title um, of the like description in blockchain evangelist. You know, blockchain that's evangelist. that's really where I see myself because I see this term in both ways. I want to bring blockchain to the legacy world, but I also mm. want to bring onboard the legacy world to the blockchain space. The other side. You know? <laughs> and this is like this is what an evangelist does, right? Uh, in the in the old sense. Uh, Perfect. Well, well, thanks a lot. Definitely, be, before this, essentially, this this podcast recording, I've, I I personally never heard of refi. So there we go. We even even I learned something new on, on on today's episode. So I really appreciate you, Ferris, sh sharing that insight um, with us. Now, if we may uh, go into maybe another topic that you mentioned earlier in 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 the beginning when you were kind of explaining your your bitcoin story and, and and your journey so far um you kind of touched upon a little bit on, on regulations and specifically the the it's the vfa right um the cryptocurrency regulation in, in malta maybe yeah, yeah, uh, maybe you could kind of uh tell us a little bit more kind of what's what's your maybe not specifically on malta but generally what's your stance with regulations and kind of um, maybe continuation of bridging this legacy market to the crypto world and, and how important mm -hmm. is regulation to make that happen Okay, well, this is in Malta, looking back at the this like blockchain island strategy or uh, that, that that's what Malta was branded at and the VFA regulation concretely is controversial today because many people consider it a failure, but I don't. I think there were some important lessons learned and I think there was some good in it. But I am not a lawyer. I'm not a regulator, I'm a crypto pirate at heart and a blockchain evangelist. So no financial advice and no legal advice. And like whatever I say about any detailed regulation might in the best case just be misleading. However, it is my personal belief that we should be as free as possible, but still we need some safeguarding. Not for me and maybe not for you, because maybe you and I we consider ourselves sophisticated enough that this is just bothersome. But I'm talking about very regular people, normal people that, you know, the, 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 all the no coiners in the world, all the no coiners and the normies and the people that just don't care. You know, yeah. they just want something that they use. I hear it is more likely that you get divorced than that you change your bank. So people really don't care how what happens to their money or whatever system they're using. They just want it to work and they just want it to be easy. And then they just want to be free of it and enjoy their life. And for those people, and also to some extent you and I, but like maybe to a much lesser extent, 
we need um, a set of ground rules um, to make this system flourish. You know, it's fine that you and I, we put our pocket money in to crypto or did this a couple of years ago, never to return again. But if you really want to decentralize the whole world, put everything on a blockchain, get all the like major banks to just uh, stop using fiat and using Bitcoin, for example, or onboard insurance companies or real estate or all of these things, energy infrastructure, all of these things, you need some rules. For example, um, electricity is critical infrastructure, right? Yeah. If you just put this with um, like Wild West DeFi style code on the blockchain and something goes wrong, what will happen? There will be consequences. So I think it is important that we have some rules for that in place for more complex mechanism because that is ultimately what is going to help us to onboard everyone and everything into the space i mean everyone and everything where it makes sense because yeah. i don't think we need blockchain for everything but for many things it makes sense like wherever you have a trust issue and you need to create trust in a transaction or in any interaction that's where it makes sense to put blockchain and how is that going to happen if we are like completely unregulated you know very true there there, there needs to, I, i'm also kind of on, on on the same basis as you so you want to have some kind of playing rules in order for the game to go forward because mm -hmm. like for a football game it's to 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 add to to your example kind of you still need to have the lines where the goal posts you know and 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 that's there but you don't need someone over-regulating or <clears throat> over, sort of saying, refereeing and kind of, you know, beeping every step. You still need the freedom to kind of explore. And and we're yeah. still so early in this in this technology. It's, I mean, Bitcoin is what, it, it had its 14th birthday this year. I mean, it's it's mm -hmm. nothing compared to the legacy markets, which are like a hundred, if, if not a thousand years old. Mm -hmm. So so I, I agree that there, there needs to be some, even though I'm, I'm kind of also on the libertarian side and the more even borderline anarchist where kind of um, I'm against the state, but still I also agree that we need some ground rules in order for the more, as you said, the electricity boards and so forth and financial institutions and imagine legal practices, they'll never touch this mm -hmm. if there's no some concrete kind of fundamentals that you can operate on. So I, I'm definitely on, on, on the same page, but what will happen and how it will go with this whole Mika being ruled out and coming into effect from next year and, and, and 2025 and beyond, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how, how that impacts the whole industry at large. And But then Mika is only Europe, right? I mean, there is a lot more than 28 country states, right? There is, what, yeah. close to 200 countries in the world. And, and, and you know, some are much further uh, further ahead of the race, some much more further back. I mean, another country that's that's fascinating, and, and I can't believe it's re just recently um, as as of the time of recording this this uh, podcast mid mid June, it's been just over two years that El Salvador came the first mm -hmm. country in the world that made Bitcoin a sovereign and and essentially a, a legal tender in the country, and they are yeah. hyper Bitcoinizing, so to say, their 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 journey, and and it's fascinating to see you know a, a small country essentially on the other side of the world, kind of you know taking that bold big leap, but I think it's only a matter of time until big countries will have to follow suit and um, and essentially join the race or else 
people and, and young generations will, will just move out to, to more prosperous places. So I yeah. kind of think that the regulation has a has a big way to to move the space forward. I I agree with that. And the fact that I'm living in Malta because yeah. it was not possible to even conceptualize a business um, mm. in my country of origin proves that people, I mean, maybe we are still early, but if you block it, if you completely try to stifle this innovation, it might work somewhere else. And I tell you what, if let's say theoretically, all the governments of the world, you know, let's, let's go down the conspiracy rabbit hole here. And they just want to kill, you know, Bitcoin and switch off the internet. There will be like a way that we will find because this is yeah. how innovation works. You make it more difficult for us. We are going to adapt. This is something that cannot be stopped. Is There is a reason why it is decentralized. And that is exactly so nobody can stop it. But when I look at what is happening in the United States, the, like, by the way, the United States, always the front runner in tech, always Wild West. They invent everything. They go to space. They send a man to the moon. They invent the internet. Google, Apple, uh, Amazon, all of it from the United States, right? Yeah. Now they are killing it. They are killing the industry. They are chasing their own citizens. The home of the brave and the free now has become a disadvantage if you are in the blockchain space. And that saddens me. But after being sad, I think to myself, hmm, where are they going after yeah. that? It's not that they cannot do it in the United States anymore and they give up. This is not how this is going to work. And this is not how it's going to work anywhere. Of course, there will be like niches, like smaller nations that will take advantage of this, such as Malta tried yeah. to do in 2017. And Malta is still going to be a front runner because if Mika regulation, the, the pan-European uh, regulation will come in force next year, everyone who is reg regulated according to the Maltese standard has a very easy time to make business on the Mika in Europe. So their Malta will take, has an advantage, a competitive advantage compared to other nations that we're not embracing this technology. And the same goes for El Salvador, of course, in a much larger extent, because mm. El Salvador really went all in Bitcoin, right? All so, or nothing. <laughs> I mean, what you, like all or nothing. This is I've seen so many takes, like even from the uh, public, from the like the Danish BBC, the it's they are Denmark's radio. They yeah. sent a journalist to to El Salvador. How do I know? My mother sent it to me. She said, "Ah, oh, Bitcoin, like that's you, Ferris, right?" So <laughs> she sends it to me, and I was watching this, and I must say, this is like, it is like a, a public um, broadcast station, and it's just propaganda. It's a hit job. On Bitcoin, what they were showing in El Salvador, and it does not represent the reality. They were like showing very selective facts. For example, <laughs> they would say El Salvador bought some Bitcoin and they lost money because of it. But that's not the reality. El Salvador is taking advantage of this because many people in El Salvador live abroad, or like from El Salvador live abroad. And now with Bitcoin, they can send money home, like with Lightning Network, even for the fraction of like a cent. Instead of like eight yeah. percent, or I don't know what Western Union is charging these days. Yeah. So that's what I'm talking about. That's like the middleman that is cut out now for the advantage of everyone. Mm. Everyone is liking that. Everyone who's trying to like send money home has a huge advantage because of that. 
little like does it matter that the Bitcoin that they bought like now because of the bear market tanked? Okay, fine. But the money that they saved as a nation from mm. like uh, these um, payment providers that are just charging and charging and charging them, that's no longer happening. Or like now there is a realistic working alternative for El Salvador. And I honestly think in the future, if they play it right, they yeah. could be such a globe. El Salvador could be a tech powerhouse because of this. Isn't that wild? Like who would have thought that? Who would have thought that 10 years ago? You know, who would have thought this during the financial crisis when, yeah. when the original one, 2008, when Bitcoin was conceptualized? And that is El Salvador. I think it's great what's happening there. But then look at places like Dubai. Look at places like Hong Kong. Look at places like yeah. Singapore. Also Malta. Also to some extent Cyprus. All of these places, if they position themselves right today, they are going to be the leading centers of innovation in this space. And because it is today fully digitalized, it doesn't matter where you are. You are no longer restrained by, what can I say, physical resources or your physical environment. It is a question of, yeah, exactly. It is, it is a question of like societal uh, regulation. What what regulations are in place and enforced and so on and so on. So, if 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 this goes well, I mean, if any nation state plays according to our rules or like is embracing this and cautiously being open to it, because I don't think they are malicious. I really don't. Like, look at those bureaucrats. Imagine like some sixty-year-old bureaucrat, you know, that barely adapted to a smartphone. And then they have to somehow um, come up with an opinion piece on Bitcoin technology, uh, blockchain technology and Bitcoin. What are they going to say? I understand that they're terrified. I understand this is like something that they don't feel so comfortable with. Also because on uh, the sharp contrast to the old system, they are no longer fully in control of it yeah. because nobody is. And it yeah. will take some time for like a master communicator or some master storyteller that will communicate and persuade them that even though they are no longer exclusively in control of this, it is still very safe for them to use and play along. And I hope that El Salvador will be one of those uh, examples. I mean, it is already, but like success stories that yeah. can be shared with, with other nations. I agree. And, and and to answer, I mean, to add to your question, when you said with the, the 60 year old bureaucrat, well, at, at least in, in the year of 2023, now we have a chat GBT, so they can always ask them, right, for some help. And so <laughs> I see you also, yeah, you took the AI pill, huh? Oh, well, we, we had to, you, you, you kind of infected the conversation a little bit with it. So, so I had to run with it, but I, I won't take it any further, Ferris. Uh, let's, let's maybe, I've, I've got one more kind of, well, controversial or, or, or so to say, dirty question to ask, but I think it's very important to bring it up and, and have a short conversation over, which is the current fiat crisis that, that we're experiencing and, and, and living through, especially since the pandemic hit and, and 2020 and beyond is the, the, the central bank printers in may it be us or europe or, or everywhere around the world essentially just going crazy and printing ridiculous amounts of cash and just generally that the whole kind of legacy markets where we stand kind of what's your take on it and where do you see things kind of going from here well um i must admit so i'm not a finance guy right i'm not yeah. like a uh, well-versed economist but when balachi did this uh one million dollar <laughs> bet 
that uh, like Bitcoin is going to a million within weeks. It, of course, that would never happen, right? But he did it because he wanted to draw attention to mm. the current banking crisis and the, the current fiat crisis, what is happening. And I t I'll tell you a funny joke. Like, so where I live, I, I rent my apartment here. Mm -hmm. And I have like a contract that runs for more than a year. So the rent cannot be increased. And every time I meet my landlord, I tell him, oh, thanks very much for the rent reduction. So if you okay. know most landlords, they will like, they want the money, money, money. And he yeah. goes like, what do you mean? I never, I would never reduce your rent. And it's like, oh, no, no, it's not you who did it. It's actually the central bank because they kept printing money. And because of that, there is like a huge inflation. And like, I know inflation is a little bit more complex than that, but still printing all this money, of course, increases inflation extremely. And if we had like uh, in the Eurozone, uh, an average level of inflation of, I don't know, how much was it like 10% twice? Yeah, give or take. And what is it going to be this year? Do you like, do you think it will be less with, with everything that is happening? And like the only reply they come up with is, oh, money printer goes Brr. we cannot <laughs> we cannot print ourselves out of this this time mm. i i think we i like again i'm not an economist but this whole episode with balachi really installed the fear of satoshi in my heart you know because yeah. it is becoming very evident that we are going down a road that will not end in a good place. And if the alternative will be Bitcoin, that would be great. But what is going to happen to the people that, let's say, you know, average people that have a saving account and they're counting on that. Do they even realize what is happening? That if you have all your savings in fiat, you lose money every year. And, and how are they going to get through this if we see hyperinflation? We always look at Zimbabwe or Venezuela, or like uh, Lebanon or Turkey when we talk about high inflation rates. But honestly, the same thing is happening in Europe as we speak. It is yeah. not something that is only in like some dubious uh, run nations. I mean, what is the definition of that anyway? But we see <laughs> this happening in, in the Eurozone and in, in the United States as well. So what is the answer going to be? Is it possible? to have like an adequate answer with the legacy system, with the central banks, how we always used to do it. I'm not sure, but I know that Bitcoin definitely is already an existing alternative. And it's yeah. exactly the reason, in my opinion, what it was created for. Mm. This is what like where Bitcoin came out in 2008, 2009, during yeah. the financial crisis of the days. I remember back then I was a student and I was just like an undergrad student and I went to um, Occupy Wall Street. I was living in Copenhagen and it was called Occupy Wall Street Copenhagen. And mm -hmm. the people there, they were looking, they were starving for an alternative. They knew mm -hmm. there was a crisis and there was a problem and we didn't have a solution for it yet. And in my opinion, what Bitcoin created was an alternative that was very young back then and i was not even involved in the space but mm. now it's been 14 years and we reached a certain level of maturity so let's see how this is going to play out definitely i mean 
not, not, not to sound gimmicky, but uh, this time it is different because we do have a plan B and uh, it's plan Bitcoin. But yeah. then again, as you said, a lot of people are still kind of, they're not involved. And as you said, especially what's going to happen to the people which have their life savings and are essentially pensioners and, mm. you know, so, some people maybe, you know, kind of it's, it's not the right thing. Maybe, you know, it's the job of, of their kids and their grandchildren to kind of help them out and, you know, guide mm -hmm. them through to, to this digital age. But I, I totally agree with, with what you said, kind of before we, we never had this alternative option to kind of exit the system. It was always reshuffling your eggs within, you know, baskets within the same system. But with, with Bitcoin, we kind of have this unplugging, if, if I may call it, where you mm -hmm. kind of take the take your own savings, your own assets, and, and you know, you, you truly do become a, a self-sovereign person. But I mean, to add to your also mentions of inflation, I, I find it personally, I find it very comical when, you know, when we see the, the inflation numbers come out and they say, you know, the 10%, the 12%. I don't know about mm -hmm. you, Ferris, but in the last two years, all across the board, from the petrol that I put into my car, to the clothes, to eating mm -hmm. out, everything's more than doubled. So this 10% also like, yeah. you know, as the saying goes in our space, don't uh, don't trust verify. Um, <laughs> I'm verifying it from my own yeah. spending habits when I open the, the the spending app, and it's it's through the roof. So and it's getting more and more rapid um, as we speak. So you know, mm -hmm. kind of what's going to happen is a big question. But definitely, you know, have, having some Bitcoin on the side definitely won't hurt because when the, when the house of cards comes crashing and and it's imminent, I mean, there's yeah. no way to move forward then for the system to crash and. What's going to be next? Highly speculated, you know, that the CBDCs will come in, but you know, maybe that's a topic for for another time yeah. that that we can uh, we can jump on, or maybe we can have some CBDCs, you know, rolled out and and, and we can get back and do another episode on that. But <laughs> you know, it's it's well, uh, it's murky waters. <laughs> it, CBDCs are definitely murky water, but you know, the saying um, "Don't trust, verify" is actually I was told by one of our community members here in Malta that this is like. Um, based in slavic um culture it's like a slavic proverb don't trust okay. verify smart oh, people yeah. those uh, those slavs but um if if we manage as like the blockchain space the bitcoin community the crypto natives whatever you want to call it to educate enough people on this i'm not going to tell anyone to buy bitcoin but i'm going to tell them hey look at what's happening like i told my landlord and of course, that that uh, resulted in uh, a rent increase eventually, which I only think is fair because he suffered already like double-digit inflation on me for years. And the best, you really, the best way would be, you know, what it would be like with my specific background. Like, if I can say a last comment on the fiat crisis, instead mm -hmm. of having centralized banks or like central banks control the money supply like we do, the best thing would really be that everyone increases their energy efficiency at home, produces more electricity or energy than they consume in a decentralized way, in a truly decentralized way on an energy level, not mm. on the blockchain protocol level, but yeah. at home, they produce more than they consume and that's called a prosumer. So if you produce more, what normally happens with the electricity overflow is that you send it back to a yeah. centralized power grid. So why don't we have a Bitcoin miner, a node, something that can capture this massive overflow of renewable energy? Because then financially, it would make sense to scale up your solar home system or your community-based windmill 
or whatever. There's like many decentralized energy alternatives and that you can then use if you produce too much to uh, use the overflow for maybe Bitcoin mining or any other thing that makes sense with this technology. Mm. That would be the solution to the fiat crisis, in my opinion, that everyone says, hey, I'm not going to use this because you're just going to screw me over. And by the way, I can do this myself now because of technology. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, some type of incentive, you know, to to, to push that forward would, would have a great impact than, you know, hearing uh, hearing the different talks on, on on how we need to be more sustainable and and you know, replacing my beloved plastic straws in, in, in my Fredo espressos to, <laughs> to, to the paper ones. I mean, that's not a big solution, but definitely, you know, we, we kind of need to take some more calculated and, and, and smarter moves. And and I think this is what you mentioned, you know, if everybody would reduce and, and kind of be more efficient with their electricity consumption, I mean, the effects would be colossal. Ferris, um, I, I want to thank you one more time for, for, for having you on today, taking the time. It's been an absolute pleasure and, and and very educational and insightful, which which is something that we really, you know, try to push forward with these episodes. It's not just Bitcoin shilling and, you know, to the moon, as we say, but, you know, it's more kind of... Oh, it's going to the moon. I mean, it's going to the moon. <laughs> you know, um, mind-opening conversations, you know, where which if, you know, if people could just take one, two things from here and, you know, go, go home and run with it, I, I would be a happy man. But Ferris, definitely um, would love to have you back in the future and, 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 dive deep in, into into some more conversations um and yeah once again thank you so much for, for joining and, and being part of this uh early journey with us thank you it was a pleasure being here take care ferris and for anyone visiting malta definitely do join the the crypto hub malta group on telegram is that correct ferris yes you can go to cryptohubmalta.org and find a link to the telegram group to our facebook group we are also now recently on instagram and we're branching out to Cyprus, starting CryptoHop Cyprus there. There we go. Or if you're on the, on the bigger brother island of Cyprus, then definitely do join that group too. And yeah, stay, uh, stay educated, stay safe. Hope to speak to you soon, my good friend. All the best. You too. Talk to you soon. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of What is Your Bitcoin Story podcast. Remember to subscribe and share with your friends and family. For more valuable Bitcoin resources, visit our website at whatisyourbitcoinstory.com. Keep stacking sats, stay safe, and spread the Bitcoin revolution.